We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to another edition of Pete's Pigskin Preview presented by Walk-On's Sports Bistro. I'm Neil McCready. That is Pete DeWeese. He uh, probably recognized Pete by now. Recognize me by now. If you don't recognize me by now, then I don't know what to tell you. Maybe you just stumbled across this podcast, at which point, welcome. Thank you for being here. It's nice to have you. Ole Miss uh, beat Auburn. In a weird game, kind of, I don't know, college football is weird. So to call a college football game weird is kind of an oxymoron, Pete, because they're all sort of weird. Um, Auburn wins, I mean, o- Ole Miss wins 48-34. It's 21 to nothing. It looked like it was going to be an absolute blowout. I started riding, and then it turned into an interesting game, and then it, Ole Miss won by two scores. The line was 14.5. A reminder that Las Vegas knows more than you do. Don't try to trick them. They, they will take your money and eat it like Pac-Man. Anyway. Ole Miss now 7-0, 3-0 in the SEC. They play. They uh, travel to Baton Rouge on Saturday. They will play the LSU Tigers. It's a 2-30 game on CBS. LSU 5-2, 3-1 after a 45-35 win at Florida. So um, we're going to dive into this matchup because I think it's a obviously a fascinating game, a, a big game, all those things. Uh, first, Pete, how are you? I'm well. I'm well. Um, we've got a little bit for the first time, a little bit, just so you guys know, a little bit of, uh, internet connectivity issues, but it's no big deal. We're going to get through it. Uh, speaking of, uh, there's no segue here. I want to remind you, we're brought to you by walk-ons. Walk-ons puts everything they've got into bringing you game day with a taste of Louisiana, dig into their mouthwatering made from scratch, Louisiana cuisine, like po'boys, gumbo, voodoo shrimp, fan favorites, like juicy burgers, fresh salads. All in front of 70-plus TVs, 40-plus ice-cold beers on tap. Visit them uh, today in Oxford or uh, Ridgeland. So, Pete, I don't even know where to start on Ole Miss and Auburn. I mean, honestly, I don't. That game was five days ago, and I'm still sort of trying to figure it out. Ole Miss was clearly the better team. You said, I remember thinking about you a couple of times during the game going, damn it, he was right. Um, you know, Auburn played a little bully ball, and it worked. Uh, Robbie Ashford made some plays happen with his feet. It was 21 to nothing. Ole Miss ran at will against that defense. Ole Miss ran for 450, could have run, could have run for 550. 
Ole Miss had that lull though in the game, a second quarter lull that they've got to stop. It's gonna it, listen. It is it is the playing with fire analogy where you keep telling your, your your kid keeps putting his hand up on the stove, and you're like, stop it, you're gonna get burned. And he goes, ha ha, it's cold. You're gonna get burned one day. It's gonna be hot. Nah. And then one day he puts his hand up there and son of a bitch, right? And it's on fire. That's Ole Miss. They got to stop this lull thing that they do because when they're playing on all cylinders, they're really good. And when they That's, when they don't, they're kind of they're they're kind of average, and the average won't win these games. No, and and that's I I don't you know rankings are rankings, and I, I don't you love them right for recruiting for media for fan base feels good. They mean nothing right now as far as, you know, January 10th, today's ranking means very little, right? But Ole Miss is, what, seven in the country, and they've yet to play four quarters of clean football. So in some ways, there's reason for optimism. And then in some ways, you go, man, we we really need to start stringing together four quarters of football. And and you're talking about the weird nature of that game – when I almost got up twenty-one nothing, my my wife and daughter, my wife was putting my daughter down for a nap, and I'm watching, looking at the television. I'm going, I just, I don't see how this last. Like I wanted it to. There were no signs it was going away. Um, but you know, you talk about the weird game. The reality is this: I don't know how many, probably four or five games I truly, intently watched on Saturday. Every single one of them. Easily could have gone the other way, whether it was Ole Miss being up twenty-one nothing and letting them crawl back in, it, LSU Florida. If Florida get a roughing the passer call on an interception that gives the ball back to LSU late in that ball game, I don't know if LSU holds on. We we all you know everybody has seen the Alabama Tennessee and that game so easily could have gone any number of ways. Change one play uh, out, of, out of 20. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. You know, um, yeah. Mississippi State, Kentucky could have gone the other way. I mean, there's so many ways. I watched uh, USC-Utah, which could have gone the other way 10 times. All right, we're having – like I told you guys, we're having some connectivity issues. Pete will be back in just a second. Uh, it's uh, – I don't know suddenly why we're having this issue tonight, but it's okay. We'll get through it. Uh, talking about games that, that were volatile. I mean, Ole Miss, Auburn for just a few minutes was volatile. U, uh, USC, Utah, for the longest time, I thought USC was going to win that game. Uh, Utah wins late because they're at home. They're a much better team at home than they are on the road. Um, we go on and on. This is college football as we, we're going to turn the page in just a few minutes to Ole Miss at uh, LSU, two teams that, Las Vegas thinks are pretty even. Um, Vegas thinks both of these teams are about the same right now. And I think, or they're just trying to set the line where they get an equal amount of money on both sides of the line. They're trying to set the line where, um, yeah, just that, you know, and they're looking at it and they're giving LSU a point or two based on being in Baton Rouge. If the game were in Oxford, I think you'd see that, uh, Ole Miss was favored by a point and a half, two points, maybe a little bit more than that, actually. But the fact that the game's in Baton Rouge, that's a weird place to play. The fact that the game's in Baton Rouge makes the uh, the, the odds makers sort of treat that game a little bit differently. And um, there's Pete right here. 
it, it's the it's just I was talking about Pete while you were uh, kind of resetting a little bit. I was talking about the fact that you know Vegas has played with this game a little bit. It started as Ole, Ole Miss minus a point and a half, two. It's moved to LSU minus two, minus a point and a half, and a lot of that is home field, and a lot of that is Vegas just not really knowing exactly what Ole Miss is. You were talking about how LSU Florida could have easily gone the other way. Um, it, it's it's just not quite knowing exactly what to expect here, even though this is at the end of this game. Ole Miss' season is two-thirds of the way done. Nobody really knows exactly what Ole Miss is, and some of that is just the result of the schedule. We talked about this before the Troy game, you and me. The schedule set up for Ole Miss to get to 7-0. and and people think that you're dogging them when you do that or not at all. They, they, the assignment in front of them was the assignment in front of them. They passed it. But now the schedule gets a little difficult, and I don't know what to expect. I, I told someone today, if someone said, hey, Ole Miss goes 12-0, and are you shocked? No. Yes, shocked, yes. If they go 11-1, are you? No, not, I'm, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not even surprised. Now on the flip side, do they go eight and four, seven and five? Are you shocked? No. Are you surprised? Yeah, maybe a little, but it's possible that that could happen. Now, I think you know the the big thing because you're right. I mean, Ole Miss offensively continues to kind of be Jekyll and Hyde every week, but not from a good, from a finding a way to be productive, right? And, and there's not evidence that that's going away against most teams left on their schedule. Defensively, they've been really good at times. They've been not as good at times. What they've been is big in the moment, right? And so the question is, to me, can they continue to be big in the moment and make that play when that play has to be made? Um, and I, and I, I do think that's big, but I think that's that's part of the thing about this game in particular, about the LSU game, is, is LSU's been the same way. You know, it – Everybody said, hey, maybe they're going to give Tennessee a run, and then Tennessee goes um, and, and you know, whips up on them a little bit. But So LSU goes, and they they beat a Florida team. But right now you're looking at that Florida team, and how do you feel about them? They got beat by Kentucky. Um, they're 3-11 and 11 in their last 14 SEC games. I mean, we've, we've got to acknowledge that that's who Florida is, and, and, and a couple of those wins are Vanderbilt. I mean, we, we've, we've got to stop going, hey, Florida, just because it's Florida. This is not Steve Spurrier's Florida. This is not Urban Meyer's Florida. It, n- not at all. And here's the big thing. This the Ole Miss-Auburn game, tackling was a concern, right? Now, we love it when they can't tackle our guys. It doesn't look good when we can't tackle theirs. The worst tackling I saw on Saturday was the LSU Florida game. I mean, there were plays in that game where I'm like, really, that that was your attempt to the tackle. Like, that's where we reconvene on Monday after practice, and our defensive talks about loafs and missed tackles, and they address it. Yeah. You know, um, and and so the skill that Ole Miss will face this weekend, I think, is top notch. The performance, I don't know if it will be. But Ole Miss is going to have to play better, do a little bit more in the passing game, I do think. And they are going to have to be a little better, you know, defending against the run. And and when we look back on Auburn, as we prepare for LSU, I think that's where that's where the m- mindset is for most Ole Miss fans, you know, is how can Ole Miss be better against the run? 
Uh, before we get to the, some of the film, a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. It can be tough to train your brain to stay in problem-solving mode when faced with the challenge in life. But when you learn how to find your own solutions, there's no better feeling. A therapist can help you become a better problem-solver, making it easier to accomplish your goals, no matter how big or small. I've used therapy as a way to handle stress, clear negative thoughts, just kind of mentally relax a little. It was a life-changer for me. Frankly, it increased my happiness. If you're thinking of giving therapy a try, BetterHelp is a great option. It's convenient. It's accessible. It's affordable. It's entirely online. Get matched with the therapist after filling out a brief survey. Switch therapist anytime you'd like. When you want to be a better problem solver, therapy can get you there. Visit BetterHelp.com slash MPW today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com slash MPW. So um, I really don't know where you kind of want to start. It's your show. I'm going to hand it over to you, and we can talk uh, Ole Miss. We can look ahead to LSU. You've got the screen. It's all yours, let's, friend. Let's let's talk a little bit about Ole Miss. And and I, you know, for those tuning in, whether you're watching on YouTube or or listening uh, via podcast, I'll do the best I can. And you, know, one of the things I told Neil was, you know, a carpenter's as good as their tools. And I don't have a lot of tools this week, uh, limited in video. But I'm going to try to give you some images and walk you through some things and kind of talk about both what Ole Miss fans saw last week against Auburn and what we can hopefully, you know, expect to see this weekend. So prepping for Auburn last week, one of the things that we talked about is is when Auburn does get in there and decide to pack it in and play bully, how's Ole Miss going to respond? And, and that's that's honestly been a trend in our conversations since the start of last season when we knew that Ole Miss was moving to this 3-2 and get out of it it's a question that I, I got asked on the message board a couple of times this week and and really didn't respond because I, I wanted to save it for here and you know the the everybody wants to get caught up in the what's well, a three two there's only three down linemen and there's only two linebackers that doesn't mean you can't still be effective playing the run I mean you bodies and chose big tight ends and good running backs and Ole Miss was really effective in run defense because of how they fit the formations and how they fit the ball. And for for the Auburn game, Ole Miss didn't fit things disciplined. There were times where it wasn't about the plan. It wasn't. It was about discipline. And and I know that's coach speak and fans don't always like hearing it. But I have an image on the screen, and this is you know Auburn kind of put together a nice little drive and got in to make it twenty one to. And this is on Auburn's drive where they go down to cut the lead 21 to 14. And you're looking at a third and two. Auburn comes out and it's a down where they decide to play bully ball. They go 12 personnel, which means one running back and two tight ends are on the field. So you're in a two tight package, two receivers. So Auburn's on the left hash. They put a tight end on the left of the formation. And on the right of the formation, they have two receivers out wide and they have a tight end that is backed off the ball in kind of a slot position. Kind of an H-back, yeah. It, kind of an H-back. So the quarterback is under center, and Bigsby is, is is dotting the eye, the broken eye, at seven yards. It is traditional, old school, let's go. Okay. So Ole Miss comes down, and it doesn't matter if Ole Miss is playing a four-man front, if they're playing a traditional 3-4. The way they align to this play, is pretty typical. Maybe they're doing it with a little bit lighter bodies, but they've seen those light bodies have success. Okay. 
they come out with the head up nose on the center. Their two DNs are lined up on the offensive tackles, and they've walked two of their players' safeties up off the edge that are going to now force the ball and try to force things back inside. There's nothing about this picture that is poor. There's nothing about the alignment. There's nothing about the structure that they're doing that negates Ole Miss's to be successful on this play, okay? What happens is I change. I'm going to give you a diagram now instead of a still shot of what actually happens on this play. And as I'm just looking at my notes as I I drew things up. So Ole Miss, or what Auburn's going to do is they're going to run a zone run play. So they're going to take – they're going to go here. Two guys are going to work a combo for the first linebacker. They're running a zone to the right of the offense, the left of the defense. So everybody on the offense is basically working to their right. And I kind of messed up my diagram because I didn't put the quarterback under center. They're going to run the zone to Ole Miss's right. So where things go south for Ole Miss is, is not about the, the safeties that are at the line of scrimmage, which is where you might have concern. It's a SEC tight end versus an SEC safety at the line of scrimmage in the run and you hold up. Well, that's that's not really where the issue happened. So the end to uh, to the, the left of the defense, to Auburn's right side, which is where they're trying to go, he is responsible for either – the gap between the half or the the uh, the slot back and the um, and the tackle, or he's responsible for the gap between the guard and tackle. Okay, as the play shifts and moves, he initially does a good job maintaining the gap really in between the guard and tackle. So as the safety comes off the edge and sets the edge. That leaves space now for the other safety to fit and for the linebacker to scrape over the top and limit the gain. Well, as the play actually starts to develop, what happens is this end gets overtaken and late because the ball looks like to hit inside. This end gets out of his gap and sticks his head inside. So what ends up happening is as the backer comes over the top to fit it, what they're expecting, what Ole Miss is expecting to happen, is I'm going to try to turn it back in. I'm going to fit this alley. He's going to fit B-gap, and the linebacker is going to be able to scrape over and make the play or at least force the cutback back to another defender. Well, when the line D lineman sticks his head in the wrong gap, and ends up all the way in A-gap, and the backer has scraped over the top, he can't be right. If he goes inside, ball spokes outside. If he goes outside, ball goes inside. So what ends up happening is the DN sticks his head inside, the tackle works up to the backer, and this safety probably fitted a little bit too wide. And so what ends up happening is the ball starts tight, and then spits right into this hole and where the safety has misfitted, and it turns into a big run for Bigsby. So when when Kiffin gets in the press conference on Monday and he talks about guys were late poking their head in somebody else's gap or not holding their responsibility, that's one of the things I saw, in particular D linemen and linebackers maybe getting their head in the wrong gap. 
But you also saw examples like this one where the safety fits it wide instead of fitting into what becomes an open gap because somebody else has lost their gap integrity and it turns into a big play for the offense. Um, same thing kind of later in the game. We're at a second and long now. Um, and Auburn comes out, and this is this is a play that we've talked about a thousand times with the Ole Miss offense. It is a split zone um, concept. Ole Miss and everybody else in college football runs it. So Auburn again. Now they've spread out. They're not. They're not trying to play bully ball. There's not two tight ends. There's only one. Okay. They have a slot receiver uh, split to the left. A uh, wide receiver off the ball wide to the left. A wide receiver on the ball wide to the right at the bottom of the screen, an H-back to the right of the, uh, to the right. formation, and a uh, tailback. I think that's not Sanders. That's the other one. It, it, yeah, that, that that is the other one. So, Jarquez um, Hunter just to the left of, uh, of the quarterback. Yep. So pre-snap, if you look at this, Auburn has their five offensive linemen, one tight end, so essentially six blockers. And Ole Miss has six guys in the box. They have three down linemen two backers, and a safety. Now, the picture is not going to stay like that. Ole Miss is – they're presenting a, hey, six on six, numbers are even, they may be in your favor, and they're actually going to rotate coverage and add another defender to the box. But what happens here, and it's it's honestly – it's kind of fortuitous for Auburn, is, is they make a mistake, but Ole Miss mistake – and it had the dominoes just happen to fall in their favor. And this turns into a long touchdown run that puts them inside the 10 yard line. So as I, as I switch to the diagram copy, when we talk about split zone, Auburn is again, they're going to run zone to the right. And so all the offensive linemen are working zone to the right. They're comboing and they're going to take this H back and he's going to come back across the formation and split the formation. And, and, again, this is a play that we've seen, again, um, explosive runs for for all of the Ole Miss running backs. It's it's very big part of what Ole Miss does. It's something that the Ole Miss defense has a thousand times. Well, what what Ole Miss is trying to do here is work a stunt. They're, they're trying to keep on the outside, slant the nose weak, and they are going to bring – people into the right side of the Auburn formation, okay? If everyone does their job, if this end can come and build a wall here, every gap on the front side is taken care of, and you still have a backer to fit the gap on the back side. And so if you fit it, you're going to really limit the gain. What happens is, for Ole Miss, is as the play starts and all these linemen are working to Auburn's right, the nose works opposite. And Auburn turns him loose. It is not by design. In theory, they want this tackle and guard to pick him, one of them to pick him up, and the other is going to climb to that backer. They turn him. The tight end or the H back that is coming back across for Auburn, just enough of the nose that he's able to to just slow him down. He de- I don't even want to say he blocks him. He he deters him from falling back in to make the play. So, like I said, happy accident. 
you're counting on either that left guard or left to block the nose. When they miss, it gives you an extra player now working to the second level. So what ends up happening, the end goes outside, tackle takes him. This defender folds in, guard takes him. He folds in, center takes him. And as this guard works up, there's nobody there because his tackle that he probably thought was going to get the nose ends up blocking his linebacker. So Ole Miss, like I said, was adding to the fifth. They're rolling cover three. They're spinning. They're rotating him high. And what ends up happening is that safety comes down as this guard who has turned loose the nose ends up working all the way to that safety. So where Ole Miss should have had an advantage in the run box because they no longer have to block this backside end because the nose has taken such a wide path and the tight end has done just enough as an H-back coming back across the formation to build that when that ball ends up hitting, they end up with an extra downfield blocker that gets the extra hat that Ole Miss has added to the box to make the play, and it is pure luck. It was not scheme. It was pure luck. And sometimes that's just how football goes. And so it's a a situation where, you know, if you're Ole Miss, you're watching it on film and you're like, did that really just happen? You know, and and that doesn't mean that that they still took perfect angles, right? The nose probably went too wide. They probably want him to redirect. Um, The safety might not have fit at the right angle that they wanted him to fit. But it's when you watch it, and you look at it, it's it's really just luck and a Stuff mixture happens. of good execution. Stuff absolutely happens, and in this case, it turned into an explosive run that put Auburn in the red zone to, you know, to cut the lead. Um, you know, going back just one more. Th- this was the this was when worry started to set in for for me as a fan. And again, we're looking at is right here. I didn't write it down, but you can see it's not short yardage. It's Auburn needs 10 yards. It's a first and 10, second and 10 type situation. And they have truly gone bully ball here. That is under center, balls in the left hash. They have a tight end and a wing to the left of the formation. They have one receiver split out wide to the right. Now they started with a second receiver to the left out wide, and he has motioned into the backfield and then back out to essentially give them two wings to the left next to the tight end. Okay. So what um what what they're gonna do here is run it's 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 known in, in football circles as duo. Okay. It's it's an NFL run play um where you're basically trying to build as many and you call it that because you're building as many double teams as you can at the line of scrimmage and the running back is going to read the front side linebacker and try to make him wrong. Um, so as, as, I, as I go to it again, you know, maybe this is one where you tell yourself, okay, Ole Miss is a little bit light in the box. I mean, Auburn essentially has all five offensive linemen, a tight end and a wing, so you're up to seven, and then eight by adding this extra receiver that's become this extra wing. They essentially have eight players in the box. Now, Ole Miss knows they have to defend the run. So at the line of scrimmage, they've got five defenders with one linebacker sitting deep. And then they have this umbrella of secondary players that are on top of the formation. They're there to fit the run. 
they're there for play action. They're there for bootleg. Um, you know, they, they obviously have other responsibilities other than just coming down and saying, I have to stop the run. So uh, Auburn, you know, Auburn executes this well, but the truth is Ole Miss didn't execute it poorly. A special player took advantage of the mishap of a player and turned it into an explosive run for Auburn. So, you know, Bigsby's in the backfield. So what they want to do, again, is is they want to build double teams. So you're talking about a double team here, a double team here. He's going to block him. So now Ole Miss has two defensive linemen that are lined up essentially over the guards. And Auburn is able to double team both of those defenders. They're going to take this tight end and wing, and they're going to double team this defensive end. And the second, that receiver that motioned in to become an extra wing, he is now going to block the uh, the outside defender at the line of scrimmage. So right now they can account for everybody. This play is designed to go to Auburn's left. And the the running back is typically going to read the, the Mike linebacker. Well, if there's two linebackers, that would be the first guy to the play side. There's only one linebacker, so he's going to read that one linebacker. So what, what ends up happening on this play is as the linebacker comes downhill, typically the running back would be taught that we're going to now look to get outside. If the linebacker plays over the top, then the running back is going to get downhill and replace him. Wherever he goes, I go opposite. Ole Miss actually does a great job on the front side of this play where there's nothing there. So where the error comes is on the backside because Auburn ends up kind of fanning out this backside. So the tackle, let me erase some of my drawings, is they fan this thing out. He goes in. in, defensive end this is the force player on the outside goes in and gets picked up by the guard and the scheme is well designed because this player this overhang safety outside linebacker folds in to fit the play the problem is he does it in a poor angle he fits too far inside expecting the ball to hit to the offense's left that when Bigsby bends it all the way back he's able to get all the way out the back door because Ole Miss has extra hats coming to the party on the side, and they have actually defended the play very well. But the ball is able to spit out the back door because one player takes such a poor angle and gets his head too far inside, and then a special player at running back is able to get himself out the back door. So, you know, when I watch it and I'm looking at, okay, why do some of these things hit? I, I don't – you can argue all day that why doesn't Ole Miss play with four down linemen. If you commit to saying that, okay, we're going to play with four linemen here, you're completely changing the style of defense you play. It creates a whole new set of rules for your defense. Linebackers have to read things differently. Coverages have to check differently. So to live in a world – you can be a three-four defense that plays a lot of four because there's some there, there's some similarity. Linebackers may go from being guard readers to to reading things in the backfield, fit things in a similar fashion. From Ole Miss to say we're going to go with playing three safeties on the field and have very 
defined rules for how we fit the football to suddenly saying, hey, let's lose one of those dudes, add a guy. You don't just swap players. You change rules. And, and the time it takes to practice that against all the different looks that you're going to see in, in against modern offenses today, it makes you it very difficult. You don't do that in the middle of October. So, no, no you, you don't, right? And and you only do if you and, feel and, like there's you no fault in your and, and you know what, Pete? Everybody, everybody does this, but the truth is is that there's a lot of teams out there that are playing basically a base nickel with a lot of dime. There's a lot of teams doing that because passing is such an important part of the game now. The RPO thing is yes. such an important part of the game. Mobile quarterbacks that can run. You can play a bunch of you can play a bunch of defensive linemen and linebackers and and, and all of that. And it sounds great because you're like, oh, we're gonna stop the run. But the run's different than it used to be because of all the quarterbacks. Look at the look at the two quarterbacks last week. I mean, not only did uh did the, the kid for Auburn run for 80 yards. Jackson Dart ran for 110. Jaden Daniels, his feet, it's it's probably the biggest part of his game at LSU. I mean, Auburn, just, it, the game has changed. You know uh, that. You coach it. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Now, you know, Auburn spent the whole game in a four down front and Ole Miss ran for nearly 450 yards. Yeah. That, that, I mean, that, that's, you know, that, that that's the bottom line is it, it's not about it. It has as much to do with the execution and, and Ole Miss failed to execute at certain times at certain positions. Um, 
you know, and it's harder and harder to play defense now. It, oh, it it is absolutely harder and harder to play defense now. And and you know, as we kind of shift to Ole Miss's offense, it's there's a so successful they embody what makes it difficult to to play defense in modern football. So, just going to really show you three plays and three schemes that Ole Miss ran and and. You know, like like Kevin talked about in the press conference, right? There are things you get away with and there's things you do. And he specifically, I think, mentioned crack blocking and the way that they handled some things on the perimeter. And I thought this was one of my favorite things that they did, and they did with great success. And this is one of the first plays in the game the other day. So, um, you know, we've talked about the wall screen that Ole Miss runs. They bring this H on the line and throw it to him. So they're going to kind of present a similar look here, but they're going to use him as a blocker instead of a receiver. So they cut the split here. You can see if you're looking at this, Ole Miss is on the right hash. You have two receivers to the left and an H back. The running back is directly behind the quarterback, and then the one receiver to the right of the formation, his cut is split down, and he's within five yards of the offensive line. So what they're going to do, and then it's because they know what Auburn is doing from a coverage perspective, they are going to take this outside receiver, I believe it's Malik Keith, and they are going to go block the defender that is responsible for the first thing out of the backfield, in this case, the H-back. So now that leaves the H-back to block the corner that is responsible for the outside receiver, right? So what's happened now is you give the quarterback an easy read. Ole Miss is going to run zone to their left, and they're going to read the end man on the line of scrimmage. If he runs down the line after the tailback, quarterback's going to pull it, and you've given him an escort now with two defenders out in front. So Ole Miss was able to use this play several times throughout the game with great success because they were able to – crack defenders, replace that crack with another blocker, and make a simple read. So if you're Auburn here, you're looking at, if you you draw you know this little box, you're talking about essentially four down linemen, two linebackers, a safety, and a corner, all within five yards of the football. They've ha- You've got to feel good about your numbers there defensively. But because Ole Miss has the ability – to read a defender with their athletic quarterback, and they're able to identify scheme structure, they're able to create the angles that they need to get an explosive run. And they did a a great job of building that in the other day. They also did a great job of building in things in the passing game. And this is the first touchdown um, of the game for Ole Miss. This was a long touchdown to, uh, I believe it was to Wade. Okay. So Ole Miss uses – this is not a concept that's new for Ole Miss. It's, they've run versions of it in every game. As a matter of fact, the very next drive in the game ran another variation of it and uh, actually I think maybe took a sack on the play. Okay, But what they're going to do here is, is they're going to put their tight end to the left and they're going to show what's a fairly balanced formation but but is oftentimes a run formation for Ole Miss. Okay. They are going to motion the outside receiver to the right. He's going to motion in. 
basically giving him a running head start, but you're also giving a coverage indicator quarterback. Okay. When that happens, some defenses might roll down. Some defenses might chase if it's man-to-man. He's able to identify the type of zone structure that they're going to play. So up front, Ole Miss is going to fake one of their primary run plays that they've seen this season is they've used a lot of counter where the quarterback has the ability to read the end. And when they do that, they typically arc this tight end and they take the receiver to that same side and they block with them and give the quarterback an option to run. So here they're going to use them a little bit differently. So they're going to show counter to the offense's right. And they're going to protect on the back side with the tackle and the tight end. So what they're going to do, and a lot of people wave. Um, it's it's a I don't know where the term originates back to, but you can find old Kiffin playbooks where it's referred to as wave. You can find Sarkeesian playbooks where it's referred to as that. Where we do is essentially take two players and you're going to try to flood the deep half of the field and you're going to bring another player back underneath. So the first read, if you see man-to-man, is the player that comes in motion is going to go try to run away and separate as he crosses the field deep. The outside receiver, the guy that's now become the outside receiver, is going to push vertical sell the corner route to try and isolate and get his defender to open hips, and then he is going to go back to the post. So you've created a double post. And then the, the the receiver on the left is going to come back under the formation, and he's going to try to climb into the void that has been left by those two routes that have carried all the coverage. So what happens for Ole Miss is as the motion takes place, is the outside receiver to the arch right comes in, and now the outside receiver, the inside receiver, receiver have essentially responsibility or switched positions. It forces the coverage to shift. So the corner comes in, and the safety now comes in. And when that this motion receiver starts his route, this safety takes the route. Right now, Dart knows that means he has one-on-one coverage with the corner. He knows it's zone. He sees the soft shell behind the coverage. He knows it's zone, but he also knows he's just got a one-on-one. If his receiver can get a clean release and sell the corner and get him to open his hips to the outside, when he breaks back inside, it is almost impossible for a corner to cover. Okay, That's what happens. And the truth is, Dart's a little bit late on the Um, He kind of holds it a second long. The receiver has to wait on it because he is wide open Mm -hmm. but Ole Miss they they do a good job they get the play action it draws all these up the uh you know they're able to take the shot that they want Evans is able to leak out late into the flat so even if the shot play does not open up to uh 19 they still have Mingo coming underneath and they have a check down in the flat but because the motion is able to just signal to the quarterback what coverage it is. He sees the one-on-one that he gets on the outside, and he's able to take advantage of it. The version that Ole Miss tried to run the next drive, part of what happened was now it was the receiver to the left that should have been responsible for running that same route. He was getting pressed. So that limits the ability of him now to create that same stem 
if he can't win at the line of scrimmage. And Dart was forced to hold on to the ball. And obviously Ole Miss didn't have the same amount of success. So this was my favorite play of the game. So I wanted to make sure I talked about this. It's it's Kiffin has used this a few times. He did it with Ely in the past. Um, but it's it's just such a great little piece of scheme. Okay. So Ole Miss is going to get into an unbalanced set. It's 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 kind of the modern unbalanced set. Um, Ole Miss is in the shotgun, back is to the right of the quarterback, and the H back is to the left. All three receivers are out wide to the left. So you have two receivers that are on the line of scrimmage, one receiver that's off. So the guy that I have labeled as the X receiver here, okay, he's the second in the trio of receivers to the offense's left. He's ineligible. Okay, he cannot go downfield. He can block on the screen play. And if it's an actual pass play, what you'll probably see him do is retreat backwards. This is because the Z the because Z the Z the Z covers him up. So he is ineligible by alignment because he is covered up. You have to have seven on the line of scrimmage. So you've got your five offensive linemen and then your two widest receivers to the left. And because the Z is on is on the line of scrimmage, the X is therefore ineligible. So when you get into these type of formations, a lot of times it's going to trigger some type of man-to-man coverage to the weak side. There's only one receiver, and that is the tailback. You have to have somebody responsible for the H-back if he were to come back across into the flat or if he were to go vertical. So you have to have a defender for him but you also have to be able to match numbers on the perimeter where Ole Miss has given you three guys. So what's happened is when the play actually starts, the corner is out wide and the free safety is near the middle of the field. And the corner recognizes the unbalance because there's no receiver over here. And he rotates back and pushes the safety down so that they have enough bodies to for any type of screen pass that Ole Miss can throw out there, okay? As soon as that corner rotates over, there's one defender left. So what Ole Miss is going to do is they're going to put him in a bind. They're going to make him the read for the quarterback, and that's this outside linebacker here. He's going to be the read for the quarterback, but they're going to conflict him with a run and pass, okay? So Ole Miss is going to block quarterback counter. So they're going to block down on the right side of the offense, they're going to pull the defense, the left guard, C-gap defender, this defensive end, and they're going to pull the H back to come through up on the first linebacker. Okay, What the tailback is going to do is run right at the outside shoulder of that defender. If that defender stays with him, Dart can keep the football, and Ole Miss has a numbers advantage to run the play. If that defender steps at the quarterback, the tailback is just going to remain down the sidelines. And this defender, who has had eyes on the on the H-back, is now thinking run. They don't have anybody to defend it. So that's exactly what happens. This outside linebacker, he sees all this run action. And Dart does a great job. He catches the snap. He gets a little bit of a drop step to give his pullers time to get in front. And then he attacks the line of scrimmage with just enough patience, but just enough forward movement that lets him read the play while also being, you know, he can be effective if he needs to run it. But as soon as that defender steps down, Evan slips right down the sideline 
and it puts you in such a bind. If you choose another way, if you zone it off, if you try to keep two defenders over there, you weak somewhere else. So it's just a great advantage of, again, taking coverage tendency and using numbers to divide the defense and create a number situation and give them absolute great design. So that kind of puts us to me to the, the end of the Auburn game, you know, obviously would have liked to have played better. Uh, obviously Kiffin was excited about the way that they came out and finished that game and, and they should be, um, but their sights are fully turned to LSU. Um, and, you know, I, I think, you know, like you talked about earlier, you're not going to fool Vegas very often what the over is, but I would probably be inclined to take it, you know. Yeah, I think this is a track meet on, on Saturday. I, I, I see, yeah, like I, I see a high school. Yeah, I, I just – I don't uh, – LSU has players on defense. They, they do, but they're not – not playing great defense. Ole Miss has players on defense and can't look at, at the performance last week and say that Ole Miss is really playing great defense. And 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 that goes back to the Auburn to the Vanderbilt game and, and some of the other things that we've seen. And and that's not to say Ole Miss is a poor defensive football team, but but they haven't really been an elite defense yet. Right. And and LSU has shown signs of life offensively. So you know the, the film that I have of the LSU defense is, is against Tennessee, and Tennessee shares some similarities in this offense and the way that they do things, um, but there there's some major differences as well. It's, it's you know, if you're looking at the screen, you see that the Tennessee is in a four-wide formation, two receivers to the right, two receivers to the left, all is on the left hash. Tennessee plays with these really wide splits on the, with their skill guys. These two receivers are all the way out by the numbers to the right, and there is a ton of green grass between. And so they kind of force you by doing that to get into certain alignment and certain things coverage-wise defensively and kind of tip your hand. And so Ole Miss doesn't do as much of that as Tennessee does, but there's still a lot of similarity. One of the things that I think Kiffin does a great job of from week in and week out is he finds free yards. If he can find something that's going to get him five yards, the first three times he runs it, he's he, it's it's there, right? And Tennessee did a great job of that, I think, against LSU, because one thing LSU did not show me in the games that I've watched is they don't always do a great job of adjusting to movement by the offense, and that you can gain numbers on the perimeter. And so, I, I there were several times in this game where I thought Tennessee, and at times were Florida used what you might call a reload, where they show one thing and then they move a player to reload and end up in another formation via motion to create an advantage. So right here, Tennessee starts out, and they're going to take their tailback, and they're going to move him out, and they're going to give the quarterback a very simple read. If Tennessee matches numbers and you don't like the math, okay, or you like the math, throw it to the tailback. If you don't like the math, they give him, <laughs> excuse me, very easy to the field. So right here, as you can see, this is like first play of the game. Or well, it's not first play of the game, but this is early in the game for Tennessee offensively. They flip it out there to the tailback, get him in space on the safety, and it's an easy five yards to start a drive. 
these are the type of things that I can see Ole Miss doing with receivers, with tight ends, with running backs to get easy yards and try to soften up this uh, this LSU defense. Kind of skipping forward to the next. This is three plays later. It's an example of, again, the same type of thing. Ole Miss, or LSU rather, excuse me, comes out in their defense, and Tennessee comes out in a formation that Ole Miss uses heavily. They have one receiver wide to the right. They have a slot back to the right, and they have twin receivers to the left. They're going to take that H back and motion him out of the backfield and, again, creating numbers. Typically, when you see this type of motion, you're going to see defenders react. And as they go add a third player to the boundary, most defenses are going to react by adding a third player. Here, you see that they don't add a player. They actually lose one because of the coverage and the corner bailing out of there. So, again, you give the quarterback a very easy RPO. He can hand this ball off to his tailback, or he can throw the key screen out wide because LSU does not do a great job of maxing those numbers. So I think I will not be surprised to see Kiffin come out early in the game, use perimeter screens, use motion to gain an advantage on those perimeter screens, because another thing that Ole Miss does really well is play action and and setting up shot plays off of these type of movements. Yeah, yeah. So he, I, he does that really well. It really well. So I, I think, again, based on what I've watched, based on how I've seen LSU play, I think if Ole Miss can get it drives going and get tempo rolling in particular, I think you're going to see reloads to get perimeter screens to get the ball on the edge and then ultimately to try and create some shot plays off of it. Um, you know, again, there's only so many ways to, to, to skin a cat and there are things you can do all day long to, to be super creative and do a lot of different things. But this is a first and 10 after a first down. Tennessee likes to play fast, but they're not going overly fast right here. And what you see out of LSU a lot of times is you will see a six-man box. So if, if again, it's a formation we've seen a thousand times from Ole Miss, you've got your five offensive linemen, you've got your H back, and then three receivers that are split out. So they're telling you right here there are six blockers, and then if you're reading a player, which Ole Miss was just shown that they can do with their quarterback, you essentially have six guys to block five, right? And Ole Miss is or LSU is going to add a hat from somewhere. Here you see the safety's coming down. He's probably man-to-man on that tight end in this particular coverage. And this is the same type of coverage structure that Auburn ran a ton last week. So I think there's some similarity in how Ole Miss might attack. But from a number standpoint here, if you're Ole Miss, you have to like like your physical matchup. You have to like the numbers game. And if Ole Miss is willing to play fast and play wider at times, I think you really simplify what LSU will do defensively. Florida packed it in. Oh, LSU added extra defenders, right? If Ole Miss continue to stay in their three and four wide stuff, I think they'll get favorable box counts to run the football. And so here, LSU just runs, or excuse me, Tennessee runs their version of, of a split zone. They run it off of a wide zone instead of an inside zone. But, you know, I do think there's talent on the interior of the LSU defense. Um, 
but they have shown times where, you know, they'll almost overrun things. And if you watch from the end zone, both these D tackles are good players, but it's kind of like what happened with Ole Miss on, on one of the plays we highlighted from their defense earlier. If you watch 92 here, who's going to slant, he is going to slant and work this gap, and he runs so wide that they're able to just wash him out of the gap, and it creates the angle that they need to now get get to the hole. If they do any better job, maybe in Tennessee, of getting to number 30, the Will linebacker right there, this is an absolutely explosive run play for them. He might score. He, he might. And there are times in the game where they do a job getting there and they do spring some of those runs. And there's times where Florida sprung some of those runs because they were able to, to take advantage of the almost over-athleticism of the LSU front and they were able to get to the second level and create uh, some explosive plays. Okay. So that kind of leads me to, to this one and, and talking about defensive movement. The thing about defensive movement and And by that, I mean slanting and blitzing and stunts and different things that you do with your defense can create negative play defense, but it can also put you in negative situations. Um, You know, the more you let them and as they get settled in, LSU is going to move their – going to be active, and that's not new. Ole Miss has seen that from everybody that they've played this year. Vanderbilt did a great job of it against Ole Miss. So – um, you can see here, you know, if you're watching, so LSU comes out and they do flop back and forth from what looks like an odd front to an even front, whether it's an odd front where there's a guy on the center and it looks like three down linemen to playing with four down linemen, but they essentially play the same four guys all the time. It's not changing the structure of their defense as much as we said it would with Ole Miss. So here they're going to start in what looks like an odd front, like a 3-4, and they're going to use movement to end back up in their four-man front. So they're going to show you this is an odd front, and they're going to take their entire defense and slant to their left. And all they're doing is getting themselves back into their four-man front principles, but they're trying to do it with movement to create uh, mistakes with the offensive line. So if they handle it well, and they do right here, then they're able to limit gains and and have some success. But the problem with this movement, again, if Ole Miss – or one of the things, I think Tennessee busted this play. I think the tight end is wrong. But if Tennessee handles this any better, and by any better, I basically mean if their left tackle gets up to 23 right now, and can get a block on 23, I think that ball hits. And again, I think you're looking at another explosive run uh, potentially for the offense. So the more I watch the LSU defense, there's talent on the field, but there is certainly to be successful. And I, and I think that's what um, what probably sees as well. You know, this is going back to, you know, I talked a minute ago about the reloads, about motion and create numbers, get into the, into the run game. Here, Tennessee uses it instead of throwing the fast screen, they use it to get a shot play. And this is one of those things that we talked about, um, you know, Kiffin being being good at. And, and here, you just see the safety get absolutely run by by a Tennessee receiver. So Tennessee starts out, for those listening, 
um, with uh, one receiver split to the right, with their H back to the right of the offense, and two receivers to the left. And the ball's on the left hash. So limited grass for Florida to have to defend into the boundary. They're going to take that H back. They're going to motion him to the left, and they're going to simply attack vertically with the inside slot receiver into that boundary. And he absolutely runs past the safety. And it turns into it's a great by Hendon Hooker. And it's a touchdown on a long touchdown throw from Tennessee. Yeah, and not, it's not a super complicated play. It, not super complicated at all. It's again, Auburn's coverage is not affected by the movement. And so, again, the quarterback is very easily able to identify the one-on-one coverage. And as soon as your guy eats his cushion and gets on his hip, you give it up and you you give him a chance to go make a play. You see this in this – this was the game I watched first. I thought to myself, okay, what Tennessee, the tempo they play with, the splits that they use offensively, maybe it's forced some of these things from the LSU defense. But then as you go watch LSU play defense in other games, there's still a lot of similarity in how they're trying to do things. And and so, you know, certainly uh, certainly Ole Miss sees some of the same. So one of the things that we've seen a lot out of Ole Miss this year is we've seen different versions of counter where Ole Miss has allowed the quarterback to read the defense, defensive end. So sometimes Ole Miss runs it where the quarterback – uh, where the tailback, rather, is going away from the pulling offensive lineman and the quarterback is following the pullers. And sometimes they run it where the tailback is following the pullers and the quarterback is going away from them. Okay, Here, Tennessee comes out, they give you a, a variation of the same scheme where the tailback is following the pullers and the quarterback is reading the backside. Okay, This is not a huge run for Tennessee. Okay. But it is an effective run for Tennessee. Again, it shows you, and, and this is one of the things I'm going to go to the end zone copy. You look at the talk about the athleticism of the LSU front. If you watch number 92, who is the right defensive end for LSU, he is going to stunt all the way outside, recognize what's happening, and then fight to get back underneath of these pullers. And it's really impressive from an athletic standpoint that he's able to do. Truth is, Hooker pulls this ball. The defender that he's reading has his shoulders turned and everything about that defender is coming downhill to chase the tailback. Had he handed this ball off, that defender would have made the play. Defender defended Hooker and given him a read. Again, it is another explosive run for the Tennessee offense. LSU has some problems fitting the run at times, and I think that Ole Miss will again be creative in how they build these run schemes in. But if they can handle the athleticism and the movement from the LSU defensive front, I see no reason that Ole Miss can't continue to be successful running the football. This okay. thing's going to come down to Ole Miss's defense versus LSU's offense, right? I mean, in in in, in, like. in so many ways, I definitely think that it is. And you know, and 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 I, I really was only going to show you one more play. And I didn't mean to. And it's I, no, I, I, I'm, I'm glad like, you. As I'm I glad. watch it, as I watch it, and I think about it, I'm like, this this thing's going to come down to can you control Jaden Daniels? Can you guard uh, Keish, Keishon Booty? Um, 
Boutte, I should say. I, I grew up in Louisiana. I should do better. Um, can you can you can you make can you prevent them from Daniels beating you with his feet on broken plays? And if you can, you're going to win the game. And if you can't, well, the game's going to get weird. So when I watch the Florida game and watch defense, because of the athleticism of Daniels, they played a lot of the game where they were not attacking the quarterback, the spy. And it caused problems because they weren't effective in their ability to spy. One of the things that I didn't talk about with Ole Miss that I think Ole Miss was probably disappointed in in their performance last weekend was they tried to spy the quarterback. They tried to spy Ashford, and they were not always successful doing it. And on some of his big plays, both plays that he was able to generate and get the ball down the field and plays where he was able to generate you know, with his legs, um, they weren't successful in trying to spy the quarterback. And and sometimes that's about defensive linemen not controlling and sometimes it's about that spot. It's it's a difficult position because if you see an open door, so does the quarterback, and you feel like you have to go close it. Well, if you go to close that door and there's another door that's open at the same time, you've lost as a defender. And so it's it's a difficult thing to do. And so to play a lot of game, use a lot of twists with their defensive line. Sometimes spying with the D lineman, sometimes spying with the linebacker, I'm spying with both. Um, and it it really hurt them. Um, there were times where I felt like they went after Daniels and were a little bit more successful. Um, but the flip side of that is when you go after a quarterback like him and you miss, it hurts. Yeah. So I, I think that's part of the the conundrum for for Partridge and the defensive staff is is balancing when do we go and when do we spy um because the the other thing that stood out is he daniels has gotten he was more aggressive as a passer in the florida game pushing the ball down the field squeezing it into windows um he looked a lot more comfortable and he's got elite skill to to, to give the ball you know what's interesting is that so far this season against igbenosin and uh and uh prince Teams haven't really gone after them. And some of that is because nothing's been open. But one of the things Brian Kelly is preaching to Jaden Daniels is, no, no, you've got these elite receivers. Let them go make plays. And Ole Miss thinks they have these elite corners who are like, yeah, bring it. And so that's where a lot of the game might come down to is it might come down to 50-50 balls where the quarterback goes, all right, I'm going to throw it. You're not really open. And Ole Miss goes, okay, we've been waiting on this. And so these moments, like, does Igbenosin make the play? Does Butte make the play? It might literally come down to just elite athlete versus elite athlete. It, it might be that simple. It, it, it is not unlikely that Ole Miss gets in a situation on the road in Baton Rouge where something bad happens and – how they respond defensively is going to affect the outcome of the game, right? Whether it is one of those 50-50 balls that goes up and the LSU kid makes the play, or it's maybe the offense turns it over and suddenly the defense is back on the field. Yeah. Um, but this very much has the feel, the feel of, of being one of those games. And I referenced earlier that 
Ole Miss has not always been great, but there have been several times a season where they've been big in the moment. The moment is going to strike several times on Friday, and it's going to be – or Saturday, rather. It's going to be about how to do it. Um, I, I, I agree with you. I, I think that, you know, that like I said, the, the evidence of the skill is there for LSU. Um, at times they look really, really – they're clicking offensively. There's times where where they don't. Um, you know, and, and, and the challenge again, I, I think they're so skilled on the outside. You have to be a little bit concerned about just trying to straight up play a ton of man coverage. And you've got to be smart about how you attack the quarterback because he is athletic enough to kill you with his feet. But he showed last week, too, that if you give him opportunity, his receivers are good enough and he's good enough to, to make some plays. You can get him to make mistakes. It will happen. Like I said earlier, if Florida doesn't get a roughing the passer on a, a play that Daniels throws down the middle that gets picked off by the safety, I think the game ends differently, right? And That's and true. we probably talk about this game a little bit differently had that one gone that way. Um, but uh, – Oh, it's – it's Kiffin made the uh, kind of a throwaway line on Monday uh, about how, you know, the, the, everybody reacts crazy to one play. It's, yep. just, it's one play. I mean, if Kentucky, if Kentucky has an extra beat on a play at the seven yard line, they beat Ole Miss, and we're talking about this game totally differently. Yep. Um, if if Alabama gets five more yards and kicks a field goal, we're not talking about Tennessee all week this week. We're talking about Alabama surviving. Um, there's, it's one of the things we love about college football, but it's also one of the things that sort of maddening about college football is that we make these sweeping judgments based on a play or two when in reality there wasn't a lot separating the teams and i mean we, we talked about this weeks ago right when the arkansas kid the the ball <laughs> hit the top yeah. of the upright well if yep. that goes six inches to the left arkansas wins the game and we're having totally different conversation about them it's the the difference uh, is just so thin it's razor thin and so and I, I think somebody told me today. Somebody told me today they saw an angle of the the Tennessee kick where the Alabama guy actually got a finger on it. Well, yeah. if, the ball's if, a duck. And if if he gets three fingers on that ball, it probably doesn't go in. And who knows what happens in overtime, right? I mean, so it's crazy, and and we might get that on Saturday where two seasons are completely impacted by something super fluky, and and maybe not. I mean. I I do think because I I've, I've gotten where I trust Lane Kiffin, and when he said many times, "Hey, this team has a chance to be special," I think he's right. But a chance to be special and special are two different things, and at some point they've got to get there. And maybe this is the Saturday that they do. Ole Miss goes and plays their best defensive game thus far. Um, they certainly can. Right, if they go and have a defensive letdown, it could turn into a long day. Um, but but there's there's no sign. That's the thing. There's no signs of a letdown per se, because the defense has has not been great. But it's not like they've been awful by, by so many standards. It's 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 not like awful. Um. So I you know I, I think I think they have to feel good about it. All right, we'll wrap it up there. Uh, we'll come back next week. We'll look back at what could should be a crazy game in Baton Rouge. Look forward to what could be a crazy game in College Station, Ole Miss, and Texas A&M next Saturday, 6.30 on the SEC Network. 
uh, could potentially be a uh, massively huge game for Ole Miss. It could also be a game where they're having to try to bounce back. So we'll see uh, what that brings, and we'll talk about it all with Pete Deweese. Again, we're brought to you by Walk-Ons. They put everything they've got into bringing you game day, the taste of Louisiana. Uh, stop by their uh, their stores in Oxford or Ridgeland today. Also inquire about their family and friends bundles, their tailgate platters. You can order online at walkons.com or on their convenient Walk-Ons app. So until next week, for Pete DeWeese, I'm Neil McCready. That does it for this edition of Pete's Pigskin Preview. Thanks for making us a part of your week. Have a great weekend. Take care. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.